Hey, Pastor Matt Chuella here. Um, glad to be here today with, um, with you. We have lots of children. <laughs> we are a very prolific congregation, children-wise. Um, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. God bless you all. I actually won't be doing a Mother's Day sermon today because I don't want to. <laughs> but I've done many in the past, and I actually posted one at, I keep looking this way and that way because we have people this way and that way. And um, so I posted one this morning um, on my Facebook wall, but you can go to sermonaudio.com and you can um, listen to a Mother's Day sermon if you like there. Just go to sermonaudio.com, click on my name for speaker, click on speaker, put in my name, put in the word search um, mothers. And uh, the sermon that I put up was mothers as counter revolutionaries. Mothers as counter-revolutionaries, and I hope it's a blessing to you. I can't remember how many years ago I preached that. So this morning, we want to open up in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 56, and we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Isaiah chapter 56, verses 10 and 11. And the scripture reads, His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his own gain from his own territory. May God bless the reading of his word. The title of my sermon this morning is The Failure of the Churchman in the Face of COVID-19. The Failure of the Churchman in the Face of COVID-19. Let us pray. Lord, I ask and pray that you would use this sermon for good, that you would help me to set it forth, to set forth that which you've given me to declare, that it would be used for good in the hearts and minds of your people, a rallying point for them, O oh God, and that it would be used for good in the hearts and minds of my fellow churchmen, the pastors, the ministers, O oh God, here in America, that they would understand their duty before you to lead, to show fealty to you, the understanding of much repentance being needed regarding our nation, regarding our lives, regarding the form of Christianity that has bound, abounded these last several decades. And Lord, I just ask and pray that you would be glorified here, that you would use what's said by the power of your Holy Spirit for good in the hearts and minds of your people, and that we would live as Christian men and women in the midst of the situation that continues to unfold here in the United States. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I have uh, held off in chastising the churchmen of our day in a frontal assault for not opening their church buildings and for abiding by the tyrant's rules of barring entrance to the church and declaring the church is non-essential. I've held off a frontal assault on that because mercy seat doesn't have a building. And though I could agree with the tyrants that the vast majority of churches are non-essential and their failure to defy the tyrants affirms their non-essentiality, the tyrants need to be confronted and the churchmen need to be rebuked. Some say I have no right to speak since Mercy Seat has no building and I cannot therefore come into conflict with the magistrates. 
But the truth is, is that I have shown myself willing to confront the tyrants on the matter of the slaughter of the preborn and come into conflict with the magistrates. I did 16 months in jail over a four-year period for interposing nonviolently at the doors of death camps where they murder the preborn, interposed on behalf of my preborn neighbor. So though we do not have a building, I will speak. I must speak today. We have no church building by design and on purpose. We do not have one because we take the tabernacle approach as seen in the Old Testament, wherein mobility and flexibility were seen as a goodness. And remembering that God never wanted a stationary house built for himself, but allowed man to do it, which, of course, Stephen addressed in the book of Acts. Not to mention that we have seen many a churchman get into a building program and have to change how he preaches for the worse, being sure not to offend, knowing he needs a certain number in the pews in order to pay the mortgage. So though we have no building by design and on purpose, this was the one time myself and the elders at Mercy Seat wish we had a church building just to confront, just so we could confront the tyrants and civil authority. The tyrants need to be confronted and the churchmen need to be rebuked. If the churchmen do not confront the tyrants, they are aiding and abetting their tyranny. Silence and compliance aids and abets tyranny. We all know the famous quote by the British statesman Edmund Burke, all that is needed for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. Inaction aids and abets tyranny. Silence aids and abets it. Inaction aids and abets it. But the churchmen of our day aid and abet the tyranny by actually distorting the word of God. And that is a far worse thing. The churchmen of our day have not learned that a tyrant cannot be appeased. He must be confronted. Why is that? Why have they not learned that a tyrant cannot be appeased? He must be confronted. Perhaps because the vast majority have never fought to begin with. They have never confronted the evils, the tyrants, the idols of our day. As historic Christianity has always done. We should not be surprised, therefore, that the churchmen have overwhelmingly, vastly overwhelmingly complied with the state and their order that churches are not to meet, that they have allowed the state to bar the church doors. Look at our condition. The preborn are murdered by the thousands every day in America, even though his law and word declares you shall not murder. And the churchmen have by and large said little and done nearly nothing in the face of that great slaughter. Not a whimper from the churchmen when the civil authority decriminalized adultery. Not a whimper when they decriminalized sodomy. Even when sodomite marriage came on the scene, even though marriage is used by our Lord in Ephesians chapter 5 as a picture of our relationship to him as his bride, still this overwhelming, stunning silence from the churchmen failing to address this great evil in the land. So we should not be surprised, and I say this with tears. I do. We should not be surprised that this gaggle of whores, these troops of traitors to Christ, rolled over to the civil authority when it comes to barring their own church doors. Our condition in America is the failure of the pulpits. 
It's the consequence of the form of Christianity that has become popular over several decades now. And so we see no defense of church government or authority demonstrated, no fealty to Christ. Rather, they roll out their bogus interpretation of Romans 13 to justify their compliance and their cowardice. And this is why I have heard myriads of Christians over my 30, (laughs) my 40 plus years of Christianity now, living for Christ. They ask the question over and over again. How do we get the pastors involved? And be assured of this, just as the murder of the preborn, the decriminalization of adultery and sodomy, the perversion of marriage, and a host of other evils in our land established by the civil authority are a violation of God's law and word. So the tyranny foisted upon the land by this pretend plague is a violation of God's law and word. And I want to demonstrate that to you. That what is happening here with the tyranny of the magistrates is a violation of the law and word of God. First, the media, government officials, and their hand-picked experts, all others being censored, have borne false witness and violated the ninth commandment. They have built their fiction about COVID-19 on a mountain of lies. This is fraud. The original models have all proven to be false, and they were proven so long before we saw how things fleshed out in time and space, proven false by countless other experts and professionals, but who are censored and silenced by the media and government officials. And I addressed just some of the false assertions in my three previous sermons on COVID-19. And you can also go to our website, DefyTyrants.com. Go to our YouTube channel, Defy Tyrants. Go to my Facebook wall. And see the evidence I have set forth for weeks now to show they have no evidence for their assertions about the doom of this virus, nor the evidence to justify their tyranny. They have borne false witness. They have lied. They have committed fraud. They have violated God's law. Second, the situation regarding COVID-19 is a violation of God's law concerning unjust weights and measures. The government officials have used the situation to create and spend more of their fiat money, money created out of thin air, backed by nothing, at least $4 trillion so far, unprecedented spending in the history of our nation. They have violated God's laws regarding unjust weights and measures and have enslaved the people economically through debt, through debt. It's a great means of control that the state has employed down through the ages. Third, in how they have violated the law of God and his word, the government officials have violated God's law regarding quarantine. They have quarantined the whole of society, whereas God's law makes clear you quarantine the sick. Leviticus 13 is clear you quarantine the sick. They were sent outside the camp. You do not quarantine the whole of society. God's law doesn't destroy the economy and lives of others. God's prescription was intended to protect society, not only from the disease, but from economic hardship upon those who weren't diseased. God understands that a society's needs are multidimensional. Due process for the accused, and you do not abridge the rights and freedom of everyone else and shut down the whole of society like we've done with COVID-19. God's law doesn't destroy the economy and lives of others. 
God's prescription was intended to protect society not only from the disease, but from an economic hardship upon those who weren't diseased. Due process for those accused of being sick, protection of the rest in society so they're not destroyed economically. And the fourth way in which we see God's law and word being violated, we see the government officials have violated God's law and word regarding work. Work. God's law mandates we work six days, then we gather with the saints on the seventh and rest. His created order is such, right there in Genesis, that we were made to work. Work was part of man's life prior to the fall, as man was put in the garden to, quote-unquote, tend and keep it. Work is a chief purpose of man given to him by God. Work is a God-given thing for man. It is part of how a man takes dominion in the earth through his work. Work defines much of man and who we are as men. It gives man purpose. He can glorify God through his work. And yet the state is saying, you can't work. You know, I never even get my kids permits from the state to work when they're 15, 16, 17 years old. You know, you're supposed to go get permission from the state to work then because of the dopey child labor laws, which is another whole topic. I refuse to ever get my children that. I help them find work without needing that because what they're teaching young people and they taught for generations now to Americans is that you need the state's permission to work. Therefore, they're that much more willing to sit by during this time when the state says you can't work right now because many of them went and got permission from the state to work earlier in their lives. The Bible repeatedly speaks against the sluggard and laziness. The state is teaching people in this situation to be lazy. And even more evil than that, to depend upon the state for sustenance. $600 they get on top of their unemployment I've talked to numerous people who they're making more money now not working than they were working. They have no desire to really go back. I've talked to some small businessmen who want to bring some of their employees back, and they don't want to come back because they're making more not working. And, of course, the scheme in the state's mind is make the people docile during this time while they're building the apparatus for all the tyranny that they want to unleash. Understand they've been building their apparatus for tyranny for decades now, and we've let them get away with it. But this matter regarding COVID-19 and this vaccination and the regulation and the laws and the evil that they want to bring, they want to make the people docile. So they go along with the tyranny being imposed. I can assure you if they were not getting money unless they were working, their response to this tyranny would be far different. And the state knows that. They've used the money to make the people docile. All this leads us to understand the government is acting tyrannically. John of Salisbury, in his famous work, Polycraticus, in 1159 A.D., which everyone should read, every teenager, every adult, defined tyranny as when the civil authority makes law contrary to the law and word of God. That's tyranny. Civil magistrate makes law contrary to the law and word of God. When we have tyranny, it must be resisted. 
When we have tyranny, the magistrates should not be obeyed in those areas. Our churches should not be barred entrance by the state. So we have all this violation of the law and word of God going on by the government officials, and yet the churchmen tell their congregants they should all obey and not speak out. And they quote Romans 13 to convince the people they should sit by and allow the tyranny to take place because, they say, we are to always obey. Or we are to always obey unless they say we cannot preach the gospel. Or we are to always obey unless we have to personally sin. All three of those are absolutely false. The idea that you only disobey if you have to personally sin is not the biblical standard at all. Did Corey Tenboom, when she hid Jews, did she have to personally sin? Did she have to mistreat Jews? Did she have to take them to the concentration camp herself? No, she didn't have to personally sin, but still she hid the Jews in her house because she knew it was right. During slavery times, did anyone tell Americans that they had to own a slave, that they had to mistreat a slave? No. But yet Christian men and women built the underground railroad to help the slaves escape. This is a false standard taught by churchmen today that we always obey unless we have to personally sin. It is not true. That is not the biblical standard. And when it comes to we always obey unless they tell us we can't preach the gospel, that's not biblically right either because we see many instances in Scripture, Old and New Testament alike, where the people of God did not obey the magistrates. God commended them for not obeying the magistrates when they were doing evil, and it had nothing to do whatsoever with preaching the gospel. So Romans 13 does not teach these things. Here's what the Bible teaches. Here is the biblical standard. When the state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands, we are to obey God rather than the state. When the state commands that which God forbids or forbids that which God commands, we are to obey God rather than the state. Now, I have a 14-page position paper on Romans 13 at defytyrants.com that you can read. Just scroll down. It's on the left-hand side of the home page. I also have preached a sermon on Romans 13 that you can listen to, so I'm not going to go all through that. Suffice it to say a few short comments about Romans 13. Suffice it to say, first off, that nowhere does it say anywhere in Romans 13 that we are to always obey the government, nor is there a single verse in all the Bible that says we are always to obey the civil government. Rather, men impose that on the text. It is an act of eisegesis. Eisegesis is a bad thing. You don't want to read into Scripture something that's not there. That's what eisegesis Reading into Scripture is something that's not there. Also, the assertion that Romans 13 is teaching we are to always obey the government goes against proper biblical hermeneutics because if Romans 13 is teaching that we're always to obey, what do you do with all the other verses throughout Holy Writ that make it clear that the people of God didn't obey at times and God commended them for not obeying? It is important to remember the hallmark of good biblical hermeneutics is Scripture interprets Scripture. Scripture with the big S interprets Scripture with the small S. In other words, when you go to a particular verse like Romans 13, Scripture with a small S, you have to look at it in the light of its immediate context and in the context of the whole of Scripture. Scripture with the big S. Scripture with the big S interprets Scripture with the small S. 
And when we do that, we see the Hebrew midwives who didn't obey the civil authorities and protected the male Hebrew children. They were told to kill them. They refused to obey. We see Daniel, who wasn't told to do something evil. He was simply told he couldn't do something good and right. He was told he couldn't pray, and he refused to obey. And there's the standard. That's the standard. When the state commands that which God forbids, like with the midwives, or forbids that which God commands, like with Daniel, we are to obey God rather than the state. Paul himself, who penned Romans 13 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about how he knew the civil authorities wanted to arrest him. And yet, rather than submit, he craftily fled down the side of a wall in a basket to escape their grasp. Romans 13 does not teach we are to always obey the civil authorities, and yet this is the lie that the churchmen are teaching. And that brings me to my third point. In Romans chapter 13, we see that there's limitation clauses regarding the role and function of the magistrates. We see in Romans 13, verse 3, it says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good and you will have praise from the same. So we see that there's limitation clauses. And it's funny how that when it comes to family government, all it says in the word of God is children obey your parents. No limitation clauses. And yet no one would take that authority by the parents to be unlimited in the sense that like if a father told his son, go down to the corner gas station and rob it because if you get caught, you get a few months in juvie. If I get caught, I go to prison for years. No one would fault that son for not obeying his father. When it comes to church government, Hebrews 13, it, it says that obey those who have the rule over you. No limitation clauses. Yet no one would take that to mean that the authority of the elders and pastor is unlimited. And say, for instance, the pastor was skimming money out of the offering plate and a congregant found out about it. And he was told by the pastor, don't tell the elders. No one would fault the congregant for telling the elders. <laughs> the authority is not unlimited. But for some reason, when it comes to civil government authority, Christians think they're always to obey. When there are limitation clauses, making clear that they are to punish those who do evil and reward those who do good. The civil authorities have done wrong, and it is the duty of Christ's ambassadors to bark. Like the prophets of old, we are to speak out when the magistrates do wrong in the sight of the Lord. We are his ambassadors. We make known his law and word to the people and to the magistrates at large. And in verses 10 and 11, our text for the sermon today, it says his watchmen, talking about the Lord's, are blind. They are all ignorant. They cannot bark. Sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yes, they are greedy dogs, which never have enough. And they are shepherds who cannot understand. They all look to their own way. Everyone for his own gain from his own territory. The scholars I read said that some purview here is both the churchmen and the magistrates. These terms about the dogs, about the watchmen, are applied to churchmen or the priests and prophets of that day and to the magistrates. Understand? And this is the state of American churchmen, and I say it with tears. And when it comes to being ordered to do something contrary to God's word and law, the churchmen are to obey God rather than man. 
As Romans 13 states clearly, the civil authority is to punish those who do evil. Is it evil to attend church and gather with the saints? Is it not a good work to attend church? All my life I have heard churchmen rebuke and admonish the people. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of the saints. But they all comply when the state creates a pretend plague. They conform to the fear, hysteria, and tyranny fomented by the media and government. Oh, but this is a health matter, I'm told. It's a molehill that they have made into a mountain. Just listen to my first three sermons and look at the facts I set forth there. Could not the elderly and immune compromised stay home? You know, like they always do when something's being spread around. And a legitimate question we must ask the average churchman in America in our day, the average pastor, priest, minister, given how they think and behave, this is a legitimate question to ask them. Would you report us to the state authorities if we did meet anyway? The elderly and immune compromised can stay home. You quarantine the sick, not the whole of society. In the past, churchmen barred the state entrance into the church because they wanted to uphold the authority of the church and preserve righteousness. Now in our day, the state of churchmen is so poor, so debased, so bad, that now the state bars entrance to the church and churchmen comply because the paternal state has told them it is best for you. Ambrose refused Roman Emperor Theodosius' entrance into the church until he repented of the gross injustice that he fomented and did there back in the 4th century. John Chrysostom, who Eutropius, who was the second in all Rome, but came under the bad graces of the Roman emperor, fled to John Chrysostom's church. And when he did so, Chrysostom refused the state entrance to seize him. In the past, churchmen have barred the state entrance into the church because they wanted to uphold the authority of the church and preserve righteousness. Now we see the churchmen, when the state bars entrance to the church, them obeying the state. It is so wrong. Pierre Varey, who I've preached about before, came into conflict numerous times during the Reformation with the magistrates when they meddled in and invaded state government into church government. And he was persecuted for doing so, but he stood. It was him, John Calvin, and William Farrell who were like the triumvirate there in Geneva. And Viray stood faithful to Christ. Now listen, I want to address the false love of the churchmen. Let me do that. I want to address the false love of the churchmen. They claim they must obey the civil authorities and allow entrance to their churches to be barred because of the love they have for the elderly and the immune compromised. I accuse them of false love. Why? Because most all of them are the same ministers who have never done anything for the preborn who are slaughtered nearly every day in America by the thousands. 
far, far more of them not just sickened and die, but actually murdered and they do nothing. Utter indifference by the churchmen, though some do offer soft lip service. Here is a description I read recently of the love Christians once demonstrated during actual plagues. Here's what it says. During Calvin's ministry, Geneva was terrorized by the plague on five occasions. During the first outbreak in 1542, Calvin personally led visitations into plague-infected homes. Knowing that this effort likely carried a death sentence, the city fathers intervened to stop him because of their conviction that his leadership was indispensable. The pastors continued this heroic effort under Calvin's guidance, and they recounted the joy of multiple conversions. And I can tell you so many opportunities I've had to share the gospel since this happened, including with my own um, car insurance agent <laughs> this past week. COVID-19 comes up, and I was talking about all this stuff and talking about the Lord, his law, and his salvation. goes on here, and it says, Multiple conversions. Many pastors lost their lives in this cause. Unknown to many, Calvin privately continued his own pastoral care in Geneva and other cities where the plague raged. Calvin's pastoral heart, already evidenced by the provision of hospitals for both citizens and immigrants, was further revealed as he collected the necessary resources to establish a separate hospital for plague victims, unquote. Now compare that to the churchmen of our day and what their thinking is. Bear with me here. Here's the thinking of our churchmen today. This is how what they mean by their love for the elderly and the immune compromise. I will stay in my house. I will not visit the sick as Christ commanded. And the truth of the matter is you cannot get into a nursing home here in the state of Wisconsin, all 393 of them. You cannot get into any hospital I've tried to get into so far as a clergyman. You cannot visit anyone including people who may be sick with COVID-19. I never get closer to anyone than six feet. That's how they demonstrate their false love. I stay six feet away. I obey every tyrannical state order, and I pervert the word of God to affirm. I demonstrate the indifference to others demanded of me because I love the elderly and weak, even though the for 47 years, and I've never once lifted a hand on their behalf, never once visited the places where they are brought to be murdered, never once demanded the complete interposition of the magistrates for total abolition of their suffering. I love the elderly and weak. Some churchmen point to some rare occasions when churches were shut down by the magistrates due to a plague. I respond by saying, during an actual plague, (laughs) we have historical instance of that, Not when statists are using a pretend plague as a tool of oppression. Not when magistrates are abusing their authority and trampling our freedoms, liberties, things men fought, bled, and died for us to have, spitting on our constitutions, impugning the law and word of God. Wake up! Others have said Calvin himself agreed not to have the Lord's table every Sunday because the magistrates ruled it so. I respond by saying this. Do you not see a difference between the magistrates of his day and the matter of the table and the magistrates of our day who shut down churches altogether? Do you not see the fear, hysteria, and tyranny that has created this current situation? You feel no duty, and I say this to my fellow churchmen, you feel no duty to protect your sheep from the evil being done by the magistrates? You fatten them up 
and help them for the kill under the false teaching of Romans 13? By the way, both the magistrates and Calvin would be wrong on the table matter of not having communion. The magistrates, because they had surpassed their God-given limits, namely to reward those who do good and punish those who do evil, and also because they had invaded church government. Calvin would be wrong also because he should not have obeyed them. And understand, I say this of a matter I do not know the particular situations of. I'm just talking about it on its face. He should not have obeyed him, them. He should have checked their tyranny and upheld the authority of church government. That is hugely important in a federalism. In a true federalism, you have four governments that are all important. Self, family, church, and state. We now live in a statist hell where the state has invaded the other governments, and that's why we have chaos on our hands and churchmen who cannot think correctly. Remember, Pierre Verre, a close friend of Calvin and a churchman himself, on numerous occasions disobeyed the magistrates when they invaded church government, meddling where they had no given right to do so. And we need the churchmen of our day to do the same thing, to disobey them. The churchmen... Listen to me now. The churchmen tried to guise their cowardice and compliance behind false love. It is false love. Here's a report about a sister in the Lord that I received from our missionary. You know, Roger Oliver and his wife, Marcy, down in Mexico, Puebla, doing a great work there. Hundreds of students in their education center uh, do so many great things, including engaging the magistrates and teaching them the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, teaching them what their role and function is for their office in the sight of God. Here's what he wrote. I want to read it to you. This was just this last week, this past week that we got this. Ophelia Wavis, affectionately known as Ophi, is our school nurse at the Pierre Verre Learning Center. That's the name of their learning center there in Puebla, Mexico. Pierre Verre. She gives us half days because she also works at a state hospital. Her children are, have been students in the learning center. Ophi has been assigned to the COVID-19 ward as the head nurse of a shift. She's the head nurse in the COVID-19 ward at a state hospital. Most of her patients, she tells us, seem to die of sadness rather than the virus. Disconnected from family and alone, they fade away. When she got there, no one was daring to feed the patients or even talk to them. She saw some patients who had not eaten their breakfast and lunch still on the trays, untouched in the rooms, what to do. Ophi got her shift together and challenged them to make changes, go against what the authorities were saying, and risk caring for their patients. One of the first things she did was invite the nurses and doctors to start every shift with the Lord's Prayer, something she learned in the Learning Center. Though of various denominations and even unbelievers on the staff, they all agreed and prayed together willingly. They pray the same at meals. Setting the example, this is so important. Churchmen have failed to set the example in this hour. And here's this dear Christian woman in Mexico doing it. Setting the example. She began to feed the patients and talk to them. She showed me a video of her bent over an old man sick with the virus, holding her telephone with a video call so the family could talk to him. Have to admit, our missionary says, that one choked me up. 
Such contact with family was against hospital policy. Something I love about Mexicans, when a rule like this makes no sense, they ignore it. This is especially true when it comes to interpersonal relationships. No one was coerced to risk contact with the patients. They just started following Ophi's lead. Her first brave followers were three nurses, two of them Christians and one an unbeliever that has always been a challenge to get along with. At first, Ophi was angry about the assignment, but now understands why she is there and pleased to serve the Lord in this difficult time. She is walking in the pathway of our Christian ancestors. Amen. And that's the end of the report from our missionary, Roger Oliver. She is exemplifying true Christianity. Understand there is tyranny in the land, and yet the churchmen aid and abet it. Think if the churchmen stood and opened their churches, the lie of COVID-19 would be exposed. If they opened their churches, elderly people would not be isolated from their families. If they opened their churches, people would be able to get their needed and legitimate health care needs met because the medical facilities wouldn't be waiting around for this crush of COVID patients that has never materialized. If they opened their churches, health care workers wouldn't be getting laid off across our state and around the nation. If they opened their churches, millions wouldn't be out of work right now. Many of them, or at least some of them, unable to put food on their family's table because of it. If they opened their churches, the businessmen would be emboldened to open their businesses. The businessmen, because of the statist hell we live in, are licensed and regulated by the state. They have much more to lose than us churchmen do. If you opened up your churches, my fellow churchmen, the tyranny would be blunted in our land. Stand, there is tyranny in the land. And as a churchman, we must not be silent. We must not be inactive. We must make our Lord's law and word known to men, including the magistrates. His word speaks to all matters of our life and all matters of life. As his ambassadors, we must bring his law and word to the nations. I could sit here for the next two hours just showing you the numerous news articles of the tyranny. But I'll only show you a little. For example, the governor of Virginia just made a a year in jail offense for meeting for church with more than 10 people. And he put in jail for up to a year. The mayor of L.A. this past week threatened to shut off the electricity and water of any business not deemed essential that opens for business. The mayor of Providence, Rhode Island, called upon his citizens to publicly shame any citizen not wearing a mask. The mask is important, and that's why I made a big deal about it. It's an incremental step to tyranny. Listen, the Jews weren't just thrown on the boxcars one day. The Jews made a thousand compromises before they were thrown on the boxcars. Understand that. You might be like, oh, it's just a mask. No, it's a step. They are controlling you. They are manipulating you. They are conditioning you. It's a mask today. Their end game is the vaccine. Several states 
to go on with the tyranny, have begun contact tracing. And you better learn about that. So they can begin mandatory enforced quarantines of people and invade our lives. Walk in and have a state inquisition against you. Here in Wisconsin, we were told this past week regarding an elderly missionary to the preborn of ours, John Stambaugh, who no one has been able to visit, including his own family. In all 393 nursing homes in Wisconsin, you're not allowed to visit your loved ones in these nursing homes. We were told this past week that you're not going to get to visit him for at least 12 to 18 more months because no one's visiting till a vaccine is created. And guess what? If you don't get the vaccine, you're still not going to visit your loved one. The person there, as we talked with the person there, made it clear and affirmed and stated that the people in this building are declining much more rapidly. And I know it's because they don't have that interaction with family anymore. We were made by God to have fellowship, to have interaction with each other. And it is an evil here that the elderly who the churchmen love are suffering this way. It's because their love is a false love. If they truly love the elderly, they would open their churches. They would do everything to end Governor Evers' nonsense of families not being able to visit their elderly loved ones. The Republicans aren't just ending the nonsense. You do understand that. No, they're meeting in the back rooms with the Democrats to create new law and regulations to tyrannize businesses further and invade our lives and families further. They have no intention of just stopping it. Oh, we have to use steps. And I can tell a hundred stories about the Republicans. It's so wrong. It just needs to stop and be immediately ended. Just say it. The emperor has no clothes. He's in his underwear. Even the big group, Wisconsinites Against Excessive Quarantine, which I didn't like the name to begin with because I'm not just against excessive quarantine. I'm against all of it, and it all needs to stop. The last weekend, somebody posted this thing that said, we all deserve to have a nice weekend. We've done so much. This was after the big protests on the 24th. We've done so much. Let's just sit here and enjoy the weekend, have a beer, whatever. Uh, so I looked at the thousand and some likes and hearts, and I looked at the hundreds of comments, and then I wrote what I had to say. Yes, let's do that while the Democrats and Republicans are over at Madison forging our chains. We did have a victory this past week. The Republicans did stop further required mandatory vaccinations for state school children. Me and my wife were there at that hearing. This past Tuesday, a glimmer of light. <laughs> the end game by the tyrants is a worldwide vaccination. And in many countries, they will literally, forcibly, physically make them get that vaccination. Here in America, most likely not. Here's how they'll force everyone to do it here in America. You get the vaccination or you don't get to buy food. 
you get the vaccination or you don't get to work here. There's already people who've lost their jobs because they won't wear a mask. You get the vaccination or you don't get to visit the loved one at the nursing home. You get the vaccination or you don't get to visit the loved one at the hospital. You get the vaccination or you're not getting your needed health care. You get the vaccination or you're not going to shop here. You get the vaccine, you know, like Costco and Menards and a host of other businesses already. You got to wear a mask. You know, it'll be the same with the vaccination. You get the vaccination or you're going to be completely ostracized from the rest of community. That's how it'll be done here. Their numbers never came close to materializing, even after all the lying they have done to increase the numbers through lying. A goodness in the midst of all this, the lesser magistrate doctrine. We have seen the lesser magistrate doctrine demonstrated by county officials, by sheriffs, by mayors, a host of local and county officials have interposed and defied the governor, not just here in Wisconsin, but around the country. It teaches people the goodness of the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. You can go to defytyrants.com. You can go to our Facebook page, Lesser Magistrate Doctrine, or Defy Tyrants USA. And here's another thing that would happen Please listen to me now. Here's another thing that would happen if the churchmen opened their doors. It would expose the good magistrates from the wicked or the weak or the ignorant ones. We would be able to more fully see who's a good magistrate, who's a tyrant. It would then give opportunity to meet with the local officials, county officials, mayors, police chiefs, sheriffs, to instruct them in the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. This week I have a meeting set up to meet with the municipality where the mayor and the police chief have been acting the tyrant and teach them this doctrine and exhort them regarding their duty for their office in the sight of Christ. We see people in Grafton taking action, understanding that they need their city, their municipality to defend them, to stand with them and their county against the edict of the governor, which, by the way, the governor's order is not law. Get that through your head. And this is another important thing. Every Wisconsinite should read their state constitution. Everyone from whatever state you're from, read your state constitution. See what authorities each office is given. See how executive orders are work and what is the jurisdiction of those orders. Notice that we're in the world our health officials getting the authority to do all the evil they're doing at the behest of the governor. And here's another important thing, and I meant to have it here because I put it on CD. We've given out tens of thousands of these already. The sermon I did to the Montana legislature, they're the only state that still does election sermons, and I was honored in 2015 and asked, to deliver that message in the rotunda of their Capitol building there in Helena, Montana, on the doctrine of lesser magistrate, the duty of lower magistrates in the face of tyranny was the title of my sermon. You must get that sermon into the hands of your magistrates and into the hands of churchmen. Hugely important. And you can contact us at defytyrants.com. We have them available at bulk, so you can get them really cheap and you can get them out. 
The book, of course, is awesome too, but the CD is far less expensive. Since when were health officials given authority to dictate public policy and trample liberty? Here's a concern I have. The counties defying are fools to make their stand on the same basis as tyrant governors, namely the assessment and dictates of health officials. And that's what I've seen with a lot of this interposition. Not all of it, thank God. A city or a county defies, but they defy only on the basis of if our numbers reach a certain point, and for many of them, it's two or three deaths, then we will obey. That is wrong. We are under a despicable tyranny. It all needs to end. All needs to stop. You defy not on the basis of some county health official any more than, you know, you go along with the state health official. You defy on the basis of law and liberty. That's how you defy. Now, I want to close with this. Understand the state of churchmen in America. They have responded with indifference to every evil the state has foisted upon the American people for decades now. They hide behind the, quote, we are a 501c3, so we cannot talk about political matters, unquote, mantra. I learned a long time ago, and listen to me now, I learned a long time ago that the whole 501c3 thing simply gives them an excuse for the voluntary silence they've already embraced. They wouldn't say anything either way. And by the way, it's not true. They can address political matters even when they are a 501c3. Just a few weeks back on Easter Sunday, the pastors were given a sop by the state via Christian law groups. Namely, you can meet for church in the parking lot, staying in your cars with your windows tightly rolled up. That was the sop that they were given. And the churchmen were like, ooh, look at what we got. This little stop from the government. We can meet in our parking lot. How sad. How despicable. How heartbreaking is that? Listen, the very next week after that, Those same Christian legal groups were teaching the pastors how to get $10,000 in free money from the government because of COVID-19. The pastors couldn't line up fast enough. They are teaching the people to be dependent on the state rather than teaching them with the shekels come the shackles. All the free money has made men docile, willingly going along with the tyranny. And finally, let me say this. If you go to defytyrants.com or to mercyseat.net, we have right there an article by a cardiologist, a doctor from Tennessee, who's also an elder in a church, who's written a 19-page position paper as to why the churches should open their doors. And if you want to read part one, which we also have there available, you can read part one and then read this second part. They're both excellent. 
and it's by a doctor named Rourke, R-O-A-R-K, right there at defytyrants.com. I encourage you to read it. He goes over the first eight pages or so about COVID-19 and all the fiction that's been created about it. And then he spends the last 10 pages addressing the churchmen and their need and duty to open their church doors. And to my fellow churchmen, I would simply say, you must lead. You must lead. There's much to be repented of for all of us. You must have fealty to Christ. You must demonstrate it to your people. You must declare it through your sermons. You must make it known when you visit the magistrates when they're doing wrong to call them to do right. And please don't go and visit the magistrates if you want to give them cover. You must, my fellow churchmen, confront the evils, the tyrants, and the idols of our day. This is how historic Christianity has done things in the past. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for this time that we've had to consider this matter on this Mother's Day, this matter of the churchmen failing to do right by you, to allow everything in your law and word that Christian people hold dear and should live in obedience to, to be literally trampled upon by the magistrates, by the civil authorities. Lord, I ask and pray that you would grant repentance and that churchmen would begin to bark. Bring them out of their slumber, Lord. May they instruct the magistrates as churchmen did for well nigh 1,800 years, instructing the magistrates in their duty regarding their office. Lord, I ask and pray that you build your kingdom in our lives, in our homes. May each man be a protector, a provider, a priest to his home, O God. May each woman be a helpmate to her husband, an anchor in the home. May the children be hungry for you, desirous to know you, to live for you. Lord, may we look well to our home. May we secure them in you, do right by you in them. May we address the tyranny in the marketplace. May people see silence, aids, and abets evil. It always has. It always will. It is right now. They must speak. They must be willing to have their wonderful little reputation tarnished or to be thought ill of by someone else, Lord. May their love for you and neighbor overcome the desire to be liked. Lord, I just ask and pray that you build your kingdom in us, that we live faithful to you in the days ahead. May you be glorified in our homes, in our lives, and in our nation. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So God bless all of you.